Once you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change. God is change. Hello, loves. This is Adrian Marie Brown and Toshi Regan. <laughs> I love it. I start it a little different every single time, huh? You do. You got to do your thing. <laughs> that has changed. This is Octavia's Parables, and we are on chapter four of the Parable of the Talents, the second book in the Earthsea Trilogy, Parables yes. Trilogy. Yes. And <clears throat> we are really excited to be here. Do you have any announcements for us, Toshi? Yeah, I would love to shout out my uh, Long Water Song project with Alexis Pauline Gums, where we are attempting to release a new marine mammal meditation every month, which you can listen to um, at soundcloud.com backslash Song. Uh, it's free to listen. And then we are also selling them. So if you want to support us and... Um, and good things because we will definitely be giving away a lot of what we make to beautiful people and projects that that need sustaining. And that's on bandcamp.com backslash Toshi Regan. I love that project. I love you and Alexis. Um, I love marine mammals. So here we go. There we are. Yeah. We're doing the baby Weddle seal. That's what's coming up. Oh, yay. <laughs> <laughs> um, wonderful. Let's see. My announcement, I have a book coming out this spring called Holding Change, The Way of Emergent Strategy Facilitation and Mediation. Yeah, yeah. And it's a follow-up to Emergent Strategy. It's like all my books are kind of like remixes of different kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So this is like a Tao Te Ching of facilitation and mediation right now. alongside of a gathered book of Black feminist teaching about facilitation. <laughs> so it's like they're kind that's of, great. yeah, that's, that's, I was like, I have some things to say about this in this way. And also here's all the amazing black feminists that I've gotten to work alongside of and learn from. And, um, and here's things that they know about, you know, Alexis of course is in there talking about <laughs> no, breathing <that's> right. <laughs> <laughs> and my sister's in there talking about my sister, Autumn is talking about consensus. Nice. Sage is in there talking about culture, Makani talking about strategy, Prentice about boundaries, and yeah. so on and so forth. So yes. I'm excited about that. That it should be out, I believe, uh, first week of May. Um, mm. But you can go ahead and pre-order it wherever books are sold. My preference is that you do so at akpress.org. There you go. Yeah, so let's get into chapter four. Can you let us know where we are? Yes, here we are. To shape God with wisdom and forethought, to benefit your world, your people, your life, consider consequences, minimize harm, ask mm. questions, seek answers, learn, teach. We are starting this chapter off again with Bencole talking about the redwood trees and that the trees are, are dying. And he, he doesn't believe that they're dying as a result of the heat. Um, and he's recalling the many redwoods that were growing around Los Angeles and Pasadena and Altadena and San Marino, places like that. He saw them when he was young. He's just noting that these, these things are happening and, um, they are in Humboldt County along the coast and the hills. Um, 
and he's he's uh, saying the local people call the hills mountains, and it was cooler <laughs> when he was a boy, and it was foggy, and it was green, it was rainy and soft and green, climate friendly to most growing things, and I love this because I think this this chapter is about change. I mean, the whole it book, is. everything is about change, but this is this mm-hmm. chapter is a is a giant exploration of of change, and as Bancoli is talking about the the great trees it is also hitting close to home for the community. And mm-hmm. we do hear from, you know, their daughter who is who is giving us all of these reflections through her scholarship and her yeah. book. She uh, she says that uh, her father, um, she thinks because how old he is, is a pessimist. And um, <laughs> <laughs> their mom, on the other hand, is somewhat of a relu- reluctant optimist. She's not feeling her mother at all. Like, she just... She's writing this book to to understand herself, and to, yeah. and then she thinks in order to understand myself, I need to understand and know my mother, and so this this is why she's taking this journey. But from the beginning, she's like, no, you silly woman, <laughs> like you know, she's just not feeling her at all, yeah. and and so she's she has this, she comes to this point where she is like, you know, if she could just do acorn. Just yeah. do acorn because she digs this, that, that her mom is like, people need to learn a skill and people need to, we need to teach everyone and the more languages we can learn and she's the, the better and the community can be self-sustaining and be in right relationship with the earth. Like she's, she's feeling that, but she is not feeling earth seed, you know, and she, she just says, if my mother had created only acorn, the refuge for the homeless and the orphaned, if she had created or um, acorn, but not Earthseed, then I think she would have been a wholly admirable person. And that's that's it. I feel like it's early in her scholarship to be drawing such conclusions. It's so intense. I mean, it's so intense because you can really feel how it's like, oh, this is right up against her wound. One thing I have to note here is I'm like, I know for people who are reading, <laughs> I don't think that it's been unveiled yet that it's a she. <laughs> Yeah. I think still it's unknown. So sorry for the little spoilerifics, but we we do know that. <laughs> we yes. do know that piece. And I do think she's hurting. I think she's I think what we know about her so far is she's tender, she's wounded. Yeah. And it shows in all these ways where she's just like, uh, uh, yeah. uh. Yeah. And yeah. 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 She, she's you know, I guess it's like frustrated that the story isn't isn't better. You know, yeah. it's like, but no, I, I need something else and I'm not getting it. And I think a little bit, I don't know, we're, we're going to find out more as we yeah. as we journey along. Yeah, I have a lot of questions. about. I know, <laughs> I'm part. ready for the questions. I'm ready for all of them. And um, here is, a, a, you know, I love this, this part yeah. of it. You know, they are now having a, a gathering that everybody comes to. And Dan, it's centered uh, uh, around a new idea and and still kind of around a couple of members in the community. So one is is um, Dan, who's who's feeling better and is coming to the gathering for the first time. And if you remember, yes. yeah. Dan is a part of the Neuer family that, that was violently attacked, a lot of death. Um, his sisters were stolen. Two of his sisters were stolen. Um, he was very injured. And it um, also resulted in a community having a house truck, which is yes. a very big deal. 
and nobody yeah. would have wanted it that way, but they, they got it. So he's coming for the first time and then they're welcoming Adela Ortiz's baby, Javier Verdigo Ortiz. And uh, he is the result of a very brutal rape. And Adela was not sure she wanted to have this baby, keep this baby, yeah. anything with this baby because of these the horrific um, circumstances. But as when the baby is born, the baby looks like her, her brother. And she is like, okay, that this is mine. I'm going to raise this child. And so they have a, a beautiful um, ceremony, a welcoming of life. And she gets, she doesn't have other family. And she gets to choose people in the community who accept to stand with her. And I I love this ceremony. I love this, this creating familyship and commitment and, you know, deep love the way that we do. And they say these these beautiful um, verses. Ha, Javier Verdugo Ortiz, we, your people, welcome you. We are earth seed. You are earth seed, one of many, one unique, one small seed, one great promise, tenacious of life, shaper of God, water, fire, sculptor, clay. You are earth seed and your destiny, the destiny of earth seed is to take root amongst the stars. So it's like a earthy, beautiful, holiness service, welcoming this um, child into their their family and um, encircling around this child and committing to be this child's family and committing that that she's not going to be alone in raising her child, that this child now has all the cousins and all the, you know, everybody. So... This is um this is beautiful and there's a great reflection of just how people show up into this community. Um Yeah. And we talked in the last episode about the horrible ordinary stories and 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 everybody mostly everybody has one. So they do that part and then they start to have um they start to have like a discussion about you know what's next and what are they going to yeah. do? Yeah. And Travis Douglas has an idea, and I love hearing from Travis. Uh, Travis Always. is one of my favorites. <laughs> yes, Travis, come back, baby. And Travis is like, yo, like, first I'm going to throw out some of these verses and, and let you know, ground this idea in our sacredness, and now I'm going to tell you what we can do because now yeah. we have a house truck. And with this house <laughs> truck, we're going to turn up on a house truck. And <laughs> and with this house truck, like, we can do so many things. And yes. we can have new business opportunities. And it's, like, the best vehicle in the community. Like, they know what everybody yeah. has. And they're like, it's nobody has anything like this. Um, yeah. it's, it's solar power still works. Like, everything is great. And he is like, we can buy goods from people. We can take them in our truck. We can sell them. Um, we can start to do all kinds of things. And you can see this idea is like, wow. And different people are like, yay. And a lot of people are like, no, no, yeah. absolutely not. And Lauren says, well, we say God has changed, but we still fear it. And we still fear change. And the the ideas is so interesting because um, I'm really looking forward to your questions on this. Yeah. Um, one of the things that's, you know, 
on their day to day, they're doing everything they can to have a functional community and stay alive. And where they are really helps them. They're not on the road. They're hidden. There's a level of, of, you know, safety. They've built kind of a wall. It's not the the most strongest wall, but it is a wall. And they're doing okay. You know, they've been able to keep a, a harmony between everyone and everybody's showing up with all their hurt and scars and everything. They're functioning. And so the, this idea of going out and being like more seen, um, having something of value that that is like a tremendous value is a is making people aware of them and a lot of people are not are not down for this they don't they don't want to and then over that is the very much like how we are living right now is that exactly. there's a pol- a political system that's in flux that is is very much teetering and the elections matter they matter mm-hmm. tremendously like every single one and so they're watching this election they have Donner who's their sitting president and they're like, well, if Donner's president, you know, maybe we could do this, this, and this. But if Jared is president, uh, we ain't gonna get. We not doing this. And and they're identifying right away who's the president. Like, not that Donner's good, right? Because all this stuff has happened. But who's the president that's gonna give more permissions of violence? More permission? Who wants to have a private army that they allow to go through and obliterate? certain kinds of people and certain mm. kinds of life and certain kinds of everything under the name of God, under the name of their Christian God. And this is so, this is such a great conversation for us right now. I'm really yes. going to get through this because I'm ready to go to questions. Um, we hear from some <laughs> of our old friends, um, Grace and Mora, who, you know, doesn't talk like a lot, but Grayson is, is someone who will say, hey, you know, he will question things. Should we do this? He wants to know, like, how are we going to fix the parts for the truck? (laughs) He's like, have y'all really thought this through? Like when this gets broken on the truck, like what, what money are we going to use? Where are we going to take the truck to get fixed? Like what's the money? Exactly. I'm like every single decision-making process ever been. There's a person like that who's like, what is the plan? What's the plan? Yes. Um, so this this um, this goes on and on and on and on. And then Dan, who has been getting stronger and stronger um, and getting healthier, he is like, do I have to join Earthseed? Like, if I yeah. want to stay, do I do I need to join Earthseed? Can I yeah. do, can I be here and not be in Earthseed? And the answer is yes. You don't have to. You don't have to join Earthseed, but you have to do some community things. So you have to come to the gatherings so you can be a participant. And he doesn't get a a vote, but his voice is is important. And also he gets to share in money um, that they make that he participates in and and all of this. So she's trying to let him know. But he is having a conversation about God, that God has changed. And he's like, I don't know what that means. And they have a really, I think, good conversation about it. And she is, and and Lauren is like, you know, so good in her practice so that she's just like, when he has a question, she's able to go, well, here's a book I wrote. (laughs) (laughs) Wrote a book about it. Here here it goes. So she does this, but, or, and at the heart of Dan is this person who wants to find his sister's. 
Um, yeah. He wants to ground his family and he wants to find his two sisters that were stolen. And he yeah. feels some kind of way about living somewhere and moving on when his two sisters could possibly be alive and exactly. still out in the world. And he feels very strongly um, that he should do something about that. And Lauren tells him that they actually have been looking for his sisters. They've asked their exactly. friends. They haven't let them go. But it's a it's a really important moment because it's there where we once again touch on the journey of all of these people where Lauren, yeah. like where Lauren says to him, like, you know, we all had people like I had a dad, I had a stepfather, I had brothers, you know, yes. the, and yet like, and it's not to say to him, you know, you're not the only one who lost somebody. She's not doing no. that. She's almost saying, you know, the condition of these times is that we have all lost somebody we loved and don't didn't get to go see to the funeral and know that they are dead. We have to make these assumptions and very much like yes. um, our people had to do during the, the time of, of um, slavery. You know, exactly. so it's it's and, and many people have to do today because so many people are disappeared, especially women. And we have to try and find them. So it's 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 a really chapter four is a is a really good look at collaborative living. It is like yeah, how do we make decisions? How do we simultaneously have the conversations about our doubts, about our what's next, about what we feel our responsibilities are as people in these, you know, ever-changing times. Chapter four. Whew. Thank you, Toshi. A few things that stand out to me in this chapter. One is that they do approve the plan to go do the house truck commerce thing. You know, they make, they move through a decision-making process. And I really love how detailed she is about the process. So mm -hmm. that's going to be in my questions. And there's this line in it called we that says we all feed one another's hungers where they're like playing, you know, they set up games for each other. They do read aloud stories. They do plays. Grayson and Travis have started setting the verses to song. And I love that we all feed one another's hungers. Like I've always been like, I should make that a t-shirt or <laughs> something. Cause yeah. I'm just like, it's so, it's so helpful. And, and then the, tenderness that emerges between Dan and Lauren mm. here you know he really I mean in my memory of this he's weeping in her arms yes um, he is like he's just as he's just like face it you know and I feel like I, I keep thinking my therapist being like yeah death is real death is real death is real <laughs> like mm -hmm. you know this is real and she's helping him process what has really happened to him and I felt that way so to me the this chapter bookends in this really powerful way from looking at what's happening to the Redwoods to looking at what's happening to Dan's sisters and just that God is change as a concept is like so beautiful. And you're like, yeah, we harness change. Like it's so amazing, but God is change is the most devastating when it comes to climate change, climate catastrophe and human violence, the mm -hmm. way we treat our bodies and each other. So I want to start with how does the news of the Redwoods losing their evergreen magic land with you? And are you the kind of person right now 
who's tracking the impact of climate catastrophe on the natural world? You know, do you pay attention to which species are going extinct during this time? Do you pay attention mm-hmm. to the changes? You know, are you like, I'm over here, like, what's up with the bees? I need to know. I'm like, <laughs> you know, I have like my little Google alerts to track the different um, species and creatures that I, yes. I want to understand about. And I think that level of awareness, right? That it's like, are you aware? And what do you do with it? You do it, that awareness. Like, how does it shape your choices? Well, the circulation of the ocean. Yes. There was like this thing about that. I was like, well, wait, what is that? It yes. Is, and how that very, impacts very the storms slow. that impact us, how that yes. impacts the temperature that we experience every winter. Like living in a place like Detroit where winter is a very dramatic thing means that you can really see the changes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, it's it's warm, right? Warmish right now. Um, mm-hmm. It shouldn't be, right? It shouldn't be. My second one is at this point in the narrative, do you agree with Lauren's child that just creating the stability of acorn might have been enough? Mm-hmm. And like, how do we know what enough is? How do we judge that kind of thing? How does history judge that kind of thing? Like, I think about when I, I don't know why this is what left to mind for me. And I'd love to hear it, like what comes up for you with it, Toshi. But when I was reading this, I was like thinking about the Black Panther breakfast program mm-hmm. and how how the idea of it, the practice of it, the stories of it have fed so many imaginations and communities mm-hmm. and strategies that it's like maybe that was the enough, you know, like it, there was so much that was happening. But just that idea that, like, we are going to feed the children every day. Like, mm-hmm. the community will will have breakfast, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, we can do that. And we don't have to wait for someone else to give us permission or resource. Or whatever. Like, we can do this. And I think about how just how impactful and important that program was, right? Yeah. That I'm like, I wonder if y'all knew at the time that that was the program, that that was one of the things that would resonate the most throughout space and time around mm-hmm what people think of when they think of the Black Panthers, right? Yes, right. Um, and I'm like, who right now is doing work that might be enough? Yeah. You know? Um, That's such a great question. Because I think we, I think a lot of times we, when someone has an idea, we want, we want it to have this level of perfection and exactness. Yeah. I think so we can breathe easy, you know? Like, yeah. so if I donate $10 a month, right, you're going to do everything really well. <laughs> it's like nothing's going to happen. <laughs> Right. Ooh, so that's the, it, that's the deal we, that's the deal we making, right? Black Lives Matter. So like yeah. <laughs> movement for Black Lives, I'm like, send you $10 a month. You going to do everything yes. and, and it's going to be perfect. And I can just, yeah. you know, and I think it's, it's no, I, I don't know if you remember this. I, cause um, during MLK, like there was the Black Lives Matter, but it was basically like a curated art space okay, um, online. And there was a number of, of, beautiful, amazing art visuals around MLK Day. There was one um, one video by an artist and it was like twerking on the mall. And, oh, yeah. And it was like, while MLK's, I have a, I think it's I have a dream speech. Yes. You hear his voice. I, yes. And it's, it's twerk, happy twerking on the mall. And people yes, were in- Yes, I posted that. You did. I knew you would. <laughs> People I was were, like, I posted that. I remember that video, that re- joy. Yes. Yes. People were enraged. <laughs> it was like, I, I, it got the most like clicks of any of the yes. videos that were put up. It was like a million something, something. 
and people are like, you know, unfollowing. That's not it. Like, you know, da, 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 da. Yes. <laughs> you know, why yeah. are you doing this? This is disrespectful. Like it was just, it was so many things. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, see, that's the thing. There is, you know, we have to get fluent with, you know, fluidity. Like this is, this is how it goes. <laughs> this is what it looks like like there's we gonna do a whole lot of things and you know when you when people look back they will see like what we have done and mm-hmm. how it has how it has streamed into something because in new york when there's a bad storm we're always like why is school trying to open it has to be really yeah. bad and there's yeah. this thing like no because people come here for for breakfast for food And even when we were doing the shutdown, and I'm not sure if this is the whole story, but one of Mm -hmm. the reasons why it was complicated, like where we were just like, why are they trying to put kids in school like we're in a pandemic, was they were like, well, how do we feed them? And then they they finally pivoted to school being closed and you can come and pick up food. Exactly. Um, So it's, it's really interesting. And I wonder if the Black Panther breakfast program is a seed to this understanding that you need to feed your community and yeah. period. But especially when you're like, and now go and learn something like go oh, sit yes. up and, and I mean, be it's like, so massive. It's such a massive thing. Now what a school does for kids, what it can do for kids. I think it got so exposed by COVID that it was like mm-hmm. for a lot of kids, this is the safe place that they have. This is the place where they won't get hit. This is a place mm-hmm. where they can eat. This is a place where they're, going to be engaged as opposed to, you know, with parents who are like, I, I, I don't have the capacity either because I'm working full time myself or because I'm just not a teacher, <laughs> you know, like yeah. there's just people who are like, I, I love my kid. I'm just not meant to be around them 24 hours a day, you know? So like <laughs> all of that is happening. Right. Yes. And I really, I appreciate the question and I'm sure there are scholars in our listenership who can tell us more, build this connection for us between that Black Panther breakfast program and now the ubiquity of breakfast programs in schools. And, and then I I want people to really reflect on that. Like what are, what are projects you've already been in that you're like, maybe that was enough. Maybe that yeah. is the contribution. That's what we And do. cause part of my, I'll, I'll just reveal a little bit about <laughs> like what I'm hoping people play with in this question is like capitalism really pushes us to be, to never have enough and to never understand that there is enough or anything we've done is enough. Right. Mm -hmm. So for so many of us were oriented around like, Oh, I did this thing. Now I have to do the next thing and the next thing. And everything has to be growing constantly. And we have to be building the numbers and building the budget and building, building. And I think even in our movement space, we can get so impacted by that, that we don't have a sense that like we're providing something that our communities need. That is enough. Yeah. And being a community that is functional, maybe that is enough. Um, so mm. what does it mean to decapitalize our organizing, decapitalize our thinking about what what we're organizing, what we're creating, and, and what is our enough? And, you know, the other side of me is always like, well, total revolution, that would be enough. You yeah. know, so I'm like, both and, both and. Yeah. My next question is, I, I really loved how you told the story of Adela's baby coming into the community, you know, like how you shared that with us. And the question I had reading this was, what rituals would you use or do you already use to create family? Mm-hmm. And I wanted to give people some homework on this one. 
because I just was like, I think this would be good for everyone to do, which is to write a welcoming verse for your family. So if you were bringing a child in, if there's someone, this might actually be something you use, you know, there's someone in your life that you're like, this person is family to me and Mm -hmm. I want to make it official. And I don't need to make it official in the eyes of the state or someone else's perception of a relationship or anything else. But this person is family to me. I want to see. I want to know. I want to hear. I'd love to just learn more about the, those welcoming verses. Then I have this. What do you understand to be the acorn decision-making process? Mm. Name as many aspects of it as you can. And then reflect. Does it feel fair can you imagine participating in, in decision-making with 50 to 60 others in this way? 60 to 70 others in this way. Mm. What might you change about the decision-making process if there was anything? Right. I really love, again, how detailed she gets about this. I always sit with, I'm like, huh, would I have the, the, the line that people under 15 couldn't be a part of the vote or not, yeah. right? It's a majority rule, you know, but I'm just, I want to hear, I want people to play with what they understand to be the decision-making process and if they could see themselves using it. Definitely, because I just feel like Lauren ain't learned learn from her daddy. <laughs> you know, like yeah. that's, I, it's so interesting to me that I was like, wait a minute, come on now. You remember, exactly. You remember what <laughs> happened when, like, why you still hold on to these years as a way a, a, exactly. a young man that's lived through what Dan has, exactly. his age is a little bit irrelevant right now. Yeah, right. And and yeah, I'm so I'm just like, hmm, like 15 in a pre-apocalypse or 15 in an early apocalypse versus 15 with people who have like lost everything and are also contributing, you know. Who so carried two parents and got them in a car. Exactly. With like whatever broken legs. Like. Well, and you know, because I mean, it, it's super, to me, very relevant. Like right now we have this, you know, at what age can you vote? At what age can you go to war? At what age can you drink? Mm-hmm. At what age can you, you know, be financially responsible? And none of those things are determined by like, here's the age at which you have learned to do any of the things. Right. 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 Like here's none of them are driven by like, here's the age at which we can guarantee you have the experience to make this decision or not or whatever. Like we don't actually do education that's based around the things that we're giving people access to at certain ages. Yeah. <laughs> and I always think about that. And I'm like, I don't think there's any age at which you're ready to go to war. <laughs> um, no. But I definitely you read that think it's, yeah, um, Tony Bennett, like, I don't know, he's in the news. Because he, um, he in his book that he wrote, um, and I, I love Tony Bennett. I met him once, and he's a remarkable, Ooh. a remarkable man. Really, like, can talk to anybody. And he tells a story about when he ended up going to war, and mm. he was like, and that experience made him be um, a lifelong, you know, pacifist man of peace. He supported yes. the civil rights movement and did benefit concerts and things for SNCC, which my mother told me. And I was just like, really, Tony Bennett? You know, she's yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, love that. I was like, how did that happen? But he just has some, you know, he just is, he's like, war is our, our lowest representation oh, yes. of being human. Like yes. it's the, it's the most lowest thing that we can do. And he was 18 yeah. years old. 
And they were like, you know, do you want to be in the army or the Navy? And he was like the Navy. And they're like, you're in the army. And then he was like off. Like he was, he was, he was, they flew him on the front lines, like 18 years old. And when I posted this article, all of these people started saying, yeah, my, my grandfather, my great grandfather, when he was 18, this is what he saw. And it's just, it's. It's like no. I mean, my great grand uncle was sent off to war at eighteen, and he was killed. And you know, there's a reason why you send people off when they're that young because it's like they're they don't necessarily have all the tools to make a different decision or to resist yes. the authority, right? And I think one of the things that's happened in this novel, in this set of novels, is that the line between peace and war has also fallen down. Yeah. So now everybody is operating inside of wartime conditions right like everybody is inside of a condition where anyone could get abducted and raped and violence is happening and like all the things are happening (laughs) sorry i'm like i feel like my neighbors are doing a marching band um (laughs) (laughs) so that's happening um yeah so the next question i have for y'all where would you have fallen on the question of using the house truck for commerce would you say, yes, leave the community? How have you navigated that kind of boundary during the pandemic? Because <laughs> mm. I'm like, people would be like, oh, yeah, we should do that. And I'm like, so you're, are you one of the people who's like, I'm running to the store. I'm running out. I can't wait to get back and sit in restaurants with people and all that. Or are you the kind who's like, let me stay in my house, mm-hmm. in my house, in mm-hmm. my house, <laughs> in my house? Because I think that's what these folks, you know, they're five years into the Acorn community They've been on this land just with each other, trying to figure it all out. And now they have this vehicle and they can start to do something that takes them further. The next question I have is around this quote, we all feed one another's hungers, Mm. is what hungers could you feed? Literal hungers, entertainment hungers, teaching hungers, other hungers. Like I imagine if you and I were in a community together, Toshi, that you would be feeding our entertainment hunger and like <laughs> our bard, you know, singing our stories and, and singing the old songs, like really helping us remember things through music. Mm. Does that feel like what you where you see yourself in it? I don't know. I'm such a weirdo. Um, <laughs> I'm, t- I'm sure I, w- I would do that, some of that, because it's really important to me to make sure that I give the generations I'm I'm a bit of a bridge to to some music that it's not that it's hard to find but it's hard to teach. Yes. It's, it's hard yeah. for it to be to teach and I know a little bit about that and so I think I would want to do that as long as I could. And uh and but the other thing is I'm also really particular to people's authentic storytelling and people's authentic mm-hmm. voices and so I I will rarely just take charge of a group and be like, okay, everybody, let's sing and let's do this. Uh-huh. I'm always interested in what pe- my favorite thing is to sing with people who are not professional singers. I just love it. Yes. You know, who just want to sing. I'm, oh my God. It makes me so happy. So I would be more be like, is anybody getting a group together? <laughs> Can I be in it? <laughs> like that. Yes. And, yeah. um, but you know, I think one of the things about it is, Whenever there's like let's there's like a base of something and then someone says let's jump to this, yeah. I'm I'm the person who is who is like what's the process mm-hmm. to to the jump? I want to yeah. see it. I want to see the steps, and yeah. I want to see the 
I want to see like, can we imagine, what can we imagine around it? Like, can we just pretend and imagine what we think yeah. could happen? And what have we learned in these, these years um, around this? Like, what did we learn, you know, when um, Richard Marks went out and started selling rabbits? You yes. know, what did we learn when Keith, like, like stole a key and left? Like, yes. these are, these, every time you step out, you are inviting people in. And yes. so what is our understanding of, of what we have to do to do that? I really, I really appreciate that, right? It's like being, there's a story that Morgan wrote in Octavia's Brood called The Long Memory. And it's like the idea there's people in the community who hold the long memory, who help Mm. us to remember history so that we don't repeat it, so that we learn from it. And I feel like that is is what you're talking about there. It's like, can we remember that this, this happened? And it was not that long ago. And we can remember, we can learn from that lesson, you know. Um, Every time you mention an Octavia Brood story, I like write yeah. it down and go and read it after this. Oh, yay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is, you know, it's interesting how when we were when we were pulling it together, I'm like, it, it was one project, but now it's so relevant. <laughs> like, That's I really so feel relevant. like I reference it every day um, yeah. in one conversation or another, like some story from it feels like, oh, yeah, go read this. So I'm glad you're reading it. I, I really am interested in like being a, a cook in the kitchen. Similarly, mm. like not the boss cook, um, but someone who's like over here chopping vegetables and like singing songs in the kitchen and kind of connecting people. And then I love the idea of like feeding, feeding the conflict, like feeding conflict support. It's like, I know that people are, you know, getting on each other's nerves in this little, on this acreage. Yeah. So I'm like, let's talk it through. Let's talk it through. Like right now, I feel conflictual with whoever's like figuring out their car problems out front. So I'm like, ooh, you know, but we would just have that talk. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So then the last piece are are around Dan and the conversation with Dan, which feels so magnificent um, to me. Like so much is actually touched on in there. And my question is, how would you describe the act of inviting people from Christianity into Earthseed and, um, or from any other organized religion. It happens to be Christianity for Dan. But I was really sitting with this because I've always been like, oh yeah, you're, you're helping them liberate. But then I'm like, is it decolonization mm. to invite people into a different relationship with nature and change and the potential of leaving? Or is this pre-colonization? Because mm. in a way, Lauren is prepping people to go off on what, could be colonial endeavors, right? To be mm-hmm. going to these other planets that we don't know if there's life or not and being like, we're going to live here and we're going to be a part of this now. Um, or is it community organizing, right? It's just like organizing people around destiny, around vision, around care, or some combination, right? Like what is at this stage in Earthseed, what is Lauren actually involved in? Mm, fabulous question. Mm-hmm. It makes me want to um, put on... Um, in in our in our notes, I participated in this great um, collaboration with the Huntington, where basically we got three different people to be in in conversation with me mm-hmm. around each of the books, and mm-hmm. so like the poet Sophie Kim did Parable of the Sower, and then yeah. someone else did Parable of the Talents, and then someone did 
um, Parable of the Trickster. And it's on, it's online, it's on YouTube and all of the people are brilliant. And, um, if I remember correctly, the parable of the talents was actually a, a, a basically a debate between Earthseed and Christianity, and they went at it. And then they had some cool piece of art that was tracking the book, the tracking the words in both of the books, and like how often they were used. But it was beautiful. Ooh. So it's 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 um I'm yes, do, I'm, please link that. Yeah, I'm gonna link <laughs> that. Y'all should check it out. And I'm I'm sorry I don't remember everybody's name to be saying it right now, but I'm gonna put everybody's name in the notes, and you yeah. can check out everyone because everyone was brilliant. Oh, there's so many brilliant humans. I gave it's up a long beautiful. time ago. I was just like I can't remember the faces. I know we had a gorgeous conversation. I know it was good, and we were both present for it, right? And yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's so many humans. I'm like, just never take it personally if we forget a name here. Yeah, there's a lot. It's a lot we're tracking. I'm following all of these people, so I will know in a second. Yeah. Yeah, they're um, And my final question, I think, for this episode, does Dan's consideration of going to look for his sisters strike you as brave, as foolish, as the only option, as impossible, or something else? Mm. What do you think you would do in his shoes? Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this moment in the Harriet Tubman movie. I know a lot of people didn't really love that movie, but there's one thing that I appreciated about it a lot, and it was the incredible love that people have for their family, like on the plantation, and how how horrific it was when like people got taken away and sent somewhere else. It was just like I was like they got that, and a lot of times you don't you don't see that. That's not a part of stories um, around our our ancestors who were enslaved. And you know, as I always do, ask Mama like, what did they do when it was over? Did people just like and she's like, lots of people were looking for went looking for their families. Yeah. They were like, I heard my kids got sent to this plantation. I'm going to go find them. Like, I'm going to go find them. You know, I definitely understand that call because. You know, oh my God. I mean, I think of the way it completely guts me right now when I have to say goodbye to someone I love when I know I've got FaceTime <laughs> and I can yeah. text them all day, every day and like know everything about where they are and what they're doing. And it still like devastates me that I can't just be all up on everybody I love all the time. And yeah. to imagine the scenario where someone is taken from you and you you don't get to say goodbye. That's right. You don't get to make a plan. You don't get to know that you'll see them again you know that that's the end. Like you won't get to know if they live or die or what happens. And there's this incredible book, Segu. Did you read Segu? Mm -mm. I might've talked about this last last year, but um, I will also put this in the show notes because it has this beautiful pattern that plays out where people are separated by slavery and then are able to feel each other, like feel when Mm. one passes. And feel when something happens, yeah. major changes happen. And I'm like that, you know, the mystery of what it is to be family, to be blood, to be chosen, to be spirit, to be pattern. Mm-hmm. But the mystery of like how deeply it actually does connect you and how much you can feel and how deeply you long for each other. And I mean, you know, for me, this this feels easy. Um, yeah. Like if I knew my sisters could be alive, I would have to go. I'd have yeah. to know, you know. Yeah. And I'm just, you know, for me, I'm just like, I have two sisters. I have these nibblings. If I knew 
that any, you know, something I could do, I would be like, that, this is my organizing this is here. What I'm doing. I need, yep. I need y'all to come with me yeah, <laughs> in the right. house track that I <laughs> brought over here. I need y'all <laughs> to right. help me come go get my family. And then, you know, we'll talk about your Christian and earth seed and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. So it is deep because they did take his truck. That's his truck. That's his truck. I mean, that's well, that's the truck. truck of his family. Right. Yeah. You know, so I'm just sort of like that. I, you know, I could see myself sitting there and just being like, look, like I'm cool with, you know, Y'all having this truck eventually, and this is my request: is <laughs> that so we gotta go get my sisters. I can't know them. that they're out here being harmed, um, and then be and trucking all vegetables and, and starting a new no, business. Yeah, I can't. No. So, yeah, you know. No. But I think this is the press. I mean, this is the precipice point. So many times in this book, to me, what brings the book alive is to be like, you are also a person living in the world that is an apocalyptic world where things are happening all the time. That's I know right. people who have had abducted family members, family members that went missing and they never saw them again, family members who maybe committed suicide or other things. I know people who've lived through that. And it's, it's again, none of this stuff is, is um, an extravagant imagination. This is these are things that are happening. How do we contend with them? How do we contend with them collectively? How do we ideate collaboratively about right what we need to do to survive and to make human being a human a compelling thing? So, and we have uh, the hired agency ICE that's that's still going around and stealing people and, and stealing people. I mean, I. They what? are the modern day slave catchers. That's what they it are. is. I'm and just it, like, it I doesn't recognize matter. your shape and your form. I recognize you. That's what they are. And they and the administration changed, but nothing about their operations have changed. Yeah. It's that they're still out there. They're still well, separating like people. Streets is watching. Yeah. Streets is watching. Yes. You know? Um, and like, I think that, yeah, we can have a whole conversation about we this. Because I'm like, you know, I think... The difference between the last president and this president is the last president, there was so much chaos that we didn't have, I don't think, the capacity to galvanize the way we needed to, be in solidarity the way we needed to, because there was just literally so much chaos going on. But now I'm like, with this administration, they need to watch out because Mm -hmm. there's not that level of chaos happening now. We are recovering. We are regaining our breath. And we will come together and we will have expectations around this. This is not acceptable. Um, Anyway, so that's... How I feel. <laughs> I know that's, that's right. how you feel. We are not. Well, this is an anti-ice podcast. And that's what it you got. Is, yeah, you go. 100%. Um, <laughs> Octavia's Parables is hosted by Toshi Regan and myself, Adrian Marie Brown. We are produced by Kat Aaron. The show art is by the inimitable Krista Franklin. And the music is Always See the Stars, uh, written and performed by Toshi Regan. And God is Change, um, written by Toshi Regan and performed by Toshi Regan and Bernice Johnson Regan. You can find us on Twitter at O Parables and sustain our show by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash O Parables. And of course, you can always visit our website at readingoctavia.com, where you can find episode transcripts and lots of other pretty things. We will see you next time. All that you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change. All that you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change. All that you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change.